This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. So it was January 5th, 1992, right? I believe that's correct. And on Sunday? Sunday evening, yes. Had, were you at the video store uh, that evening? Yes, I was. Certainly was. It was after dark, the dead of winter. Kelly Day Wilson, a small-town girl from Gilmer, Texas, was finishing up work for the night with her boss, Joe Henry. They were alone at Northeast Texas Video, a movie rental store on the town square in Gilmer. We closed the store about 8 p.m. That was a normal time to close. I went in the back. Kelly stayed up front to do all the reconciling, the cash drawer, and all that stuff, you know, from the day. I go in the back, get my VCR stuff ready, and when she gets done, she comes back there, and we go out the back door, set the alarm. She goes around, throws the trash away, and when she comes back around, I say, do you open tomorrow? And she says, yes, and I said, okay, I'll see you. Joe had a pickup truck, Kelly, a muscle car, an 85 Dodge Charger, complete with gold paint. Both vehicles were parked on a side street next to the video store, just across from the Upshur County Courthouse in the middle of town. It was around 8.30 p.m. when Joe says they left the store. He and Kelly went their separate ways. And I got in my truck and she got in her car. And the rest, as I say, is history. What happened next? That depends on who you ask. It's a haunting, unsolved mystery that would destroy lives, terrorize a town, and go on to confound me and many others for 30 years. What we do know is around 10 o'clock that night, Kelly's mom, Kathy, was already getting worried. She was angry too. Kelly was a popular girl, had a busy social life, but it wasn't like her not to call, at the very least, to let her family know she wasn't coming home. The next morning, Kelly still hadn't shown up. Her stepdad, Robert, went out to search the streets before dawn. The family lived just two minutes from the courthouse square. That's where Robert found Kelly's car, parked beside the video store. The doors of her Dodge Charger were unlocked. One of the tires was slashed. Most troubling of all, Kelly's purse was still there, inside the vehicle. There was no sign of a struggle. As for Kelly herself, this girl of 17, a senior at Gilmer High School, she was just gone. I mean, a little town like this, you can just imagine what an impact it had. They they were just bump puzzles. I mean, you know, this girl just vanished in the thin air. I remember when Kelly Wilson disappeared because I grew up about 20 miles down the road from Gilmer. If you look at a map, the town is a straight shot east of Dallas, a two-hour drive. To get here, you have to leave behind the big skies and open prairies of Texas myth and venture into the piney woods on the eastern edge of the state, where tall pine trees blanket the hills and secrets hide in the shadows. This is lush country, the Old South, rivers, lakes, grazing cattle. When you hit the back roads, another town emerges every 10 miles or so, like it was carved from the woods, then left behind by the rest of the world. Even though I was a kid back then, 12 years old, I'll never forget the search for Kelly. There were stories on the front page of the local paper, reward money and billboards begging for clues. Kelly's school portrait was posted everywhere. She was pretty, blonde, had big hair. At first, the investigation seemed to go nowhere. Then it took a shocking turn. It's an unsolved mystery out of Upshur County involving law enforcement, a satanic cult, and a missing girl. Following the story, that would give the small East Texas town of Gilmer 
national exposure, but not the good kind. Although we were all obsessed with Kelly's story, I guess I was too young to fully understand what was going on in Gilmer at the time. I just knew it was bad. There were reports of cannibalism, devil worship, a family of murderers hiding in the forests outside of town. It was believed they were a part of a satanic cult and had kidnapped, raped, and murdered Kelly. Claims made they had kept her alive for at least nine days, keeping her in a shed and even a toolbox before killing her. On a daily basis, they would take Kelly out of the shed and take her down to this circle and, and string her up on the tree and they do these horrible things to her, bring her back, shackle her up. East Texas, it's a pretty place, but with all those pine trees, you never really know who's out there deep in the woods or what they're up to. In the little town of Gilmer, the story of a lost girl became so much more, so out of control. No one really knew what was real and what was madness. I mean, it's just, it's just so many twists and turns and, and it is so sensational. In this series, you'll hear about when Kelly went missing and how a town got turned upside down. Allegations of unspeakable evil, mass hysteria, stolen evidence, and maybe even some good old-fashioned local corruption. I don't know if Kelly will ever come home, if she's living or dead, if any of the crazy stories about cannibalism, Satan worship, and more actually happened. But I'm here to find out everything I can about Kelly and get the truth, or as close to it as the locals dare. From Imperative Entertainment, I'm Wes Ferguson. This is Devil Town. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. This is chapter one, gone. Hello. Hey, Anna. Hey. How's it going? It's going great. I, most of the time, I don't even know what day it is. Well, that sounds pretty good. Isn't that fun? This is Anna Pacino Walker. She's retired now, but Anna was the editor of my hometown newspaper, for a long time. She hired me as a reporter when I was just 19 years old. My first break. I don't think it would embarrass her too much to say that she was basically my second mom back then. You were my first editor. You're the one who turned me into an actual writer. And I don't, you probably don't remember this, but um, you said, um, hey, you're the crime reporter. Maybe you'll find Kelly Wilson. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember, but I, it sounds like something I would say. You know, Wes, every time that I hear or see in the paper, you know, remains were found anywhere in the East Texas area, I'm, just, I'm like, is that Kelly? It's going to be Kelly. I wonder if it's Kelly. Anna moved to East Texas with her husband, Paul, and their kids 
just a year or two before Kelly disappeared. At that time, Liana, our oldest, was 16 years old. So it was really close to home. And those, the, the details of those things were just, you know, you can be a hard-edged newspaper person, but you also, you're also human. That's just something that you don't even want to think about as a parent. It sticks with you. Despite my boss's encouragement, I didn't find Kelly. As the local crime reporter, I was too busy chasing ambulances and car crashes, drug busts, and burning buildings. The stuff that's got to get done when, every morning, there's another newspaper to fill up with stories. But I never stopped thinking about Kelly. It's been three decades since she disappeared. If she's dead, her body has never been found. No one has ever been convicted of killing her. It's left this void that people still feel. As I get older, I also realize that I never really knew anything about Kelly as a person, beyond the platitudes offered up in news clips. It's like her bright, smiling portrait on the news was turned into a symbol of victimhood. And that doesn't feel right at all. Who was Kelly as a daughter, a friend? And while we're at it, who knows what clues her loved ones might share? If someone would just ask. I was 12 years old when Kelly Wilson disappeared. And I, I remember it, you know, just not all the details, but I remember like, oh my God, this is happening just a couple towns up from my house. And then when I was in college, I met a girl from outside Gilmer, um, out in the woods. And I remember like riding around in her white pickup truck while she's telling me like, out in these trees, there's the devil worshipers, you know, and cannibals. Just now that I'm a, an adult, and I just want to know what really happened. Have you talked to Philip Williams? Hmm, good idea. Last spring, I went home, back to East Texas. I drove up to Gilmer one morning from my mom's house to see what I could find out. Sure enough, my first stop was to see Philip Williams. You have a way of ex introducing this, the town and explaining it to people that haven't been here? Well, I would just be delighted to do that since I can walk out the back door of this furniture store onto the place where I was born in about two minutes. Um, so I'm Gilmer born and bred. I have lived here all but six months of my life. Philip is kind of like Gilmer's unofficial ambassador. He's been a local news reporter for decades, which is how I know him. On deadline, he files stories from a little family-owned furniture store right off the town square. Gilmer is a small town in Northeast Texas of about 5,000. And they started a festival called the Ambry, which continues to this day. It's held every October and draws thousands of people. And that's probably the most notable thing about it. There's a yam queen and a barn dance. I've been, it's fun. Philip wrote a lot of stories about Kelly Wilson. If you had told me all that was gonna happen, we're gonna have a 17 year old girl vanished in thin air and one of my best friends from high school was gonna be the last guy seen with it. I would have thought you were a good candidate for a state mental hospital, but it all happened. And I was right in the middle covering all of it. Philip's friend is Joe Henry, the video store manager. I've known him for over 50 years. Like I said, I saw him today. I went up there and got some diet drinks at his place. He and I are still good friends. Joe is a, uh, has always been a very hardworking person. He uh, was fascinated by movies. And back when we had uh, video cassettes, there was a video store here in Gilmer where he was the manager and Kelly Wilson worked. Joe would have been 
uh, well into his 20s then. And she was 16 or 17. Joe was actually 36 at the time. Kelly was 17. He just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. The movie store closed a long time ago, but Joe still grills hamburgers around the block, right across the street from the county courthouse. Joe had his hamburger place back then, too. It's been in business since 1974. But he also was managing that video store. He was a workaholic, basically. Um, And a good guy. After I left Phillips Furniture Store, I walked over to the hamburger joint, but not before stopping on a street corner outside the video store where Kelly was last seen. These days, the building is not much to look at, just an old brick storefront. Then I rounded the corner, and there was Joe's place. Red brick street from the courthouse, going up the steps. Big, juicy hamburgers. It was kind of dark inside, just a long, narrow room, plus a big window that opened up to the kitchen in the back. All the wall space was covered with movie posters from Hollywood's golden age. To my left, all these blue-collar guys were sitting in a row of old theater seats. They were all chowing burgers and watching an old-timey black-and-white movie playing on the TV above the soft drinks on the right side wall. Way in the back, a little guy with thin gray hair was manning the grill. The grill was sizzling. I was worried that Joe wouldn't want to talk. He's often been named as a suspect in Kelly's disappearance, at least on message boards where internet sleuths hang out and parse the clues of the case. Instead of introducing myself, I placed an order. Okay, what can I get you? I'd like a, a cheeseburger and fries. All right, everything on it? Yes. Okay, be just a little bit, and I'll pick you up. Thank you. I joined the guys eating burgers from the theater seats. We watched an old movie about tourists in Hawaii. I waited for the lunch rush to pass. I didn't want to bug you earlier because I could tell how busy you were. Probably sick of uh, talking about it, but I just wanted to introduce myself and and see if there would be a time maybe you would uh, be willing to to chat with me. Yeah, I guess so. Do you think it might be okay today at three? If you want to, yeah. Okay. You want to come in? Yeah. Yes, sir. Come on in. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. I'll be back. You're welcome. I can try to get cleaned up. Delicious burger. Well, it's just a hamburger. When I came back later that afternoon, Joe handed me a bottle of water and sat down in one of the theater seats. He was an older guy in his 60s, a little stooped, and a gray t-shirt spattered in burger grease. He sighed deeply. Man, I, I, I just can't begin to tell you this has just been an unbelievable thing. It is just, it's, 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 it's almost like some kind of crazy fictional story. Joe explained that back in the early 90s, he was basically the manager of the movie store, Northeast Texas Video. He was more of a business partner than an employee, getting paid 50% of every rental. He also made side money repairing VCRs. Kelly worked the cash register, reshelved movies, kept the place clean. Over time, Joe says, he and Kelly got kind of close. Well, very bubbly personality. You know, friendly. Uh, bubbly is the best word I can come up with. And friends to a lot of people. She was some guys that were not, I wouldn't say, the best in the world. Eventually, Kelly also began to confide in Joe. Yes, she did, about the, the divorce a lot. She was just very upset about her mom and dad's divorce. But very, very, what's the word? Just a sticky divorce, just not a good, not a good pleasant divorce. Yes. 
Kelly's parents had split up six or seven years earlier. The custody battle had been very ugly, with both parents fighting to keep Kelly and her little brother, Kyle. For a while, the siblings lived with their dad, Robbie, in Natchitoches, Louisiana. But they ended up with their mom, Kathy, in East Texas. Eventually, both parents remarried. But during her senior year, Kelly couldn't decide which set of parents to live with. That winter, she told her friends she was moving back to Louisiana to be with her dad and stepmom, Waverlyn. She wanted to leave after Christmas break and go to live with her dad. One night up there, she was real upset. She was crying and she said, I just don't want to leave. I said, well, you don't have to leave. I mean, you know, it's no big deal. And so that was sometime in December. And I think she basically wanted to stay and graduate with her friends. But her mom and dad had a pretty bad divorce. And it was pretty, uh, what you call it, uh, tumultuous, if that's a good word. It just wasn't good. And Kevin was very, had been very upset about that. We ended up spending Christmas holidays together in New Orleans. That's Kelly's dad, Robbie. We stayed in the French Quarter. Uh, we, we had a chance to have a couple long talks. She wasn't happy there. And uh, so she wanted to come back. And I, I was reluctant to let her come back uh, because I didn't think it was healthy for her to just, just yo-yoing back and forth. Uh, I listened to her argument. She wanted to finish school with her legacy friends here that she'd grown up with. And I under- kind of understood that. Even though Robbie was sympathetic to his daughter's wishes, he also took some convincing. The last time she lived under his roof, things hadn't ended well. She didn't leave my custody under really great circumstances. She was angry with her dad because her dad had some rules. And I, you know, I tried to teach her some discipline. You know, she couldn't just run the road. She had to be, a, you know, she had to meet curfew. She had to do her, do her lessons. She, you know, it's, uh, plus her mother was just, you know, steadily uh, agitating the situation. Like I said, it was a very contentious uh, custody fight. For the record, Kelly's mom declined to speak with me, so we're only hearing Robbie's point of view for now. You know, I was not thrilled about them moving moving up there with her mom because I knew she wasn't going to, she just wasn't going to dis- keep them disciplined like I would have been. And I'm not a, I'm not a, I wasn't that tough on them, trust me. But uh, I did, I did have some rules that I expected them to follow. Robbie says he finally relented. Kelly could move back in with him and Waverlyn, her stepmom, to finish her senior year and go to college in Louisiana with in-state tuition. She was a week away from moving back to start of the, the uh, spring semester here. Do you know how, how her mom took that news? Not well. But I think she agreed to let her come back. I mean, I don't think she was going to stop it or could stop it. So, you know, once I said... Well, she was giving them, I mean, Kelly could, Kelly could be a handful. She was giving them hell. They were ready for her to leave. She could stir things up, acting out, you know. She, same way she did here, here when she wanted to go there, you know. I mean, she was, she was, she's a Taurus. She was legitimately, you know, headstrong like that. During that heart-to-heart in the French Quarter, Kelly also told her dad something that, to this day, has stuck with him. She told me that night that there was there were some things going on there that she needed to she just needed to share with me at some point in time that she said I wouldn't like it and I don't know what I don't know what it was uh, I would need to know at some point in time that she really wanted to get out of there and come back 
disappear. You still don't know what that was? I have no idea. Never did get a chance to talk to her again. So Kelly told her manager, Joe Henry, that she wanted to stay in Gilmer. She told her dad she wanted to move back to Natchitoches. She also told Robbie that she had a secret she needed to share, something he wouldn't be happy about. Whatever the secret, whatever the truth, Kelly returned to East Texas after her Christmas vacation in New Orleans, either to pack her bags or get ready for her last semester at Gilmer High School, home of the Buckeyes. But school wasn't starting back up just yet. I'm not going to lie, you know, we were kind of the party group. You know, we were going to parties together or going to the lake together or, you know, doing all those fun things silly girls did back in the 90s. That's Kelly's friend, Lee. She was a senior that year, too. Everyone thought we were so bad. Like, I remember being like, you know, we were, you know, the wild group. And I look back at it, and I'm like, we were not wild. Like, that was so innocent. Lee and Kelly had been friends since Kelly showed up in Gilmer a couple of years earlier. Gilmer's not a big place, so a new girl in town was noteworthy. I just remember her moving to school, you know, and, and you know, we only, I mean, I can probably count on one hand how many, how many girls, you know, our age or kids our age moved in to our school and actually stayed. And she was just one of those girls and she moved in and, you know, I feel like I probably had a class with her or something and we were just fast friends. She just, you know, she was just one of those girls. She was just a, 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 a fun, always happy. You know, she was cute. Uh, just, you know, one of those girls that just fit in, I think, with everyone. And I can remember, like, being at school and, like, gathering up all of our coin change. So we would have enough money to go, you know, cruise around after school and stuff or cruise around on a Friday night. Back in town after Christmas and New Year's, Kelly had somehow heard about a party outside of town. It was on a Sunday night, but with no school the next day, she didn't want to miss it. So I was supposed to go to a, that party with her that night. Um, and I don't remember where the party was. I feel like I didn't even know who it was. It was like a party in a different town. Kelly was always meeting new people. She just had that personality. It didn't hurt that she worked at one of the only video stores for miles around. Teens from other communities in the area were always driving into Gilmer to rent movies at Northeast Texas Video, where they were introduced to this friendly girl, Kelly, who'd never met a stranger. She had friends we didn't even know she had. And then I always just kind of thought, because she worked at the movie store, she met people. And so I think a lot of people came in that she connected with that, you know, I never even came across. Because she was, she was so friendly, so nice. I worked at the shop at the time. That's the local pharmacy. And she worked at the movie store at the time. We had talked about getting together and going to that party. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just meet you, you know, after work. And when I got off work, I drove by and she was still in there vacuuming because I could see her um, through the front windows. I'd gotten something all over me. She had to go home because she got something on her clothes. That's Kelly and Lee's other friend, Michelle. And so I was like, you know what? Since she's still vacuuming, I'm going to run home and change. And when I got home, I'd say it was 8.30, between 8.30 and 8.45. My mom said I couldn't go to the party. And then, like, shortly after, my mom was like, no, you're not going. It's too late to go out now. No, 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 
And I was like, damn, I should have just never come home. You know, I should have gone straight to Kelly's. Lee was stuck at home. Michelle was also home that night, but not because her parents were strict. Michelle was probably Kelly's first friend in Gilmer. They met when Kelly and her mom were still unloading boxes to move into their home. It was when she had first arrived in the town. She didn't uh, quite know anybody yet. So I got to talking to she and her mom, and I ended up helping them move because they were moving. And uh, we became fast friends. And Kelly was just outgoing. She laughed a lot. She was always had a positive attitude. She was just fun. And, but she was also a good listener, like she had an issue or problem. During their junior year, Michelle had some big stuff to deal with. I ended up actually getting uh, pregnant in high school, which is never fun. And uh, Kelly really rallied behind me and stood by my side and um, was a real great friend of mine through my pregnancy. And me and my baby actually moved in with she and her mom for uh, a short period of time when my daughter was about six months old. Kelly was selfless. Her generosity went way beyond the average teenager's. With Kelly and I being close, I think I was venting to her about issues I was having at home. And she was very concerned about that, especially since I had Taylor. And she actually came home with me a couple of days, like two or three days, because she said she wanted to kind of observe and see for herself. Kelly and her mother approached me and said, it really isn't a good environment, and if you'd like to move in with us, we'd be happy to have you move in with us and help you with Taylor and provide a good environment for the both of you. The house became a refuge for Michelle and her baby daughter, Taylor. Oh, it was a wonderful home life. It was so refreshing for me compared to the home life that I had. It was a very normal home life. <laughs> uh, and actually, I didn't have a car. Kelly did, so she would take me to pick up Taylor. That's my daughter's name. If I needed to go to the grocery store to get baby food or whatever, I mean, Kelly took me. It was it was always just fun because Kelly and her mother, instead of dwelling on any negativity, there was just a lot of laughter and they would help me feed Taylor. Kelly's mom actually taught me a, a lot about taking care of Taylor too. She helped me choose different foods and I, it was just, it was a very wonderful experience being able to come home and have that mother figure. And Kelly was very motherly too. She was like, kind of always described her as an old soul because, you know, she recognized right away that I had a need and wanted to fulfill it. And a lot of teenagers aren't like that. If it's, you're not fulfilling their needs, they're going to move on. And she wasn't that way. She wanted to be the one to be helpful and fulfill somebody else's needs. And I, I felt like she was always very protective of me and shielded me, I think, from a lot of negativity because she wanted Taylor and I to have a, a good start. That's what kind of friend Kelly was. The way Michelle talks about Kelly and her home life in Gilmer, it's basically the opposite of what I was told by Kelly's dad, Robbie. I'm not really sure what to make of that. Michelle does not remember Kelly and her mom, Kathy, having a troubled relationship, especially not the way Kelly's dad, Robbie, describes it. Well, Kelly and her mom, I always saw it as positive because they were both so positive with me. And maybe, and, and let me tell you, teenage girls oftentimes don't get along with their moms, right? But I'm sure there were times that they didn't, but it never happened when I was there. Both of them, their focus was on me, helping me, teaching me, and they really gave me a big boost in life. Uh, Kelly's mom is the one who gave me the confidence to be a mother. I, all I remember about all of that is positivity, and I don't remember one argument between Kelly and her mother. 
that doesn't mean there wasn't one. It just probably means that I didn't think twice about it if they got aggravated with each other because my home life was a lot worse. But there was not a good relationship with her dad. We spent many hours in her bedroom with her crying sometimes about her dad. And I honestly can't remember all the specifics, but she was very torn because she wanted to go to LSU really, really bad. To qualify for in-state tuition at Louisiana State University, Kelly couldn't stay in Gilmer, Texas. She needed to move back in with Robbie across the state line in Louisiana. Money was a big factor for her dad, and he kind of held a lot of things over her head and said, well, I'll do this for you if you move back with me. It was always a bargain, and he wanted her to not be with Kathy and be with him, but she wanted to live in Gilmer with her friends and her mom, but she also had that goal of wanting to go to LSU, so she was so torn. By then, Michelle was living with her parents again. With all of her responsibilities as a mom, Michelle hadn't seen Kelly that much during their senior year. I was not living with her, and we were not talking on a daily basis, and she had gotten really close to other friends. In December, it was the very last time, I think it was the very last time I saw her, me and another girlfriend went over to her house. A guy she was very close with, Josh, was in back in town. And so we all got together over there. And she was very upset that day because she was torn and didn't know what to do because it was down to the wire and she had to move back to her dad's if she wanted to go to LSU. We were all at a loss and didn't know what to tell her to do. <laughs> so it was just kind of that time we all had together was not a great meeting because she was upset. That last hangout with Michelle and Josh, an ex-boyfriend of Kelly's, happened sometime in December. Just five days into the new year, Kelly was supposed to go to that other party, the one outside of town with her friend Lee. I, I didn't even, I don't even remember who was having a party, but I didn't really know anyone out there. I had just seen this cute boy was asking if he was going to go. So that's why I wanted to go. I was like, yeah, hey, when I get off work, I'll just come up to the video store and we can either go to your house if you need to or just leave from there. And so, you know, that's really about all I can remember, to tell you the truth. I just saw her vacuuming. I saw her car on the side of the, the video store. I remember seeing her car on the side of the video store. Um, I did not, you know, it was dark. I did not look to, you know, I, don't, I didn't see if tires were slashed or anything like that. I didn't look hard enough for that. But I remember seeing her car parked on the side of the video store. And then I pulled around to the front and she was, you know, just in, in the front of the store vacuuming. From what I understand, Kelly never showed at that party. With her dad, Robbie, expecting her in Louisiana, it's possible that Kelly still hadn't made up her mind about whether to leave Gilmer. We didn't know where she was, whose lives might be destroyed, or what kind of evil lurked in the shadows of all those pines. None of us foresaw this thing mushrooming into the big controversy that it became. Coming up this season on Devil Town. It's much bigger than anybody could anticipate. If one girl could expose what's going on and bring that many powerful people down, she's not going to survive. Kelly was snatched off the Gilmer Square. 
She was a sweet young girl. It wasn't a random act. We all know it wasn't random. So that means there had to be a reason behind it. From seven years old, my head's been full of devil worshiping, killers, cannibalism, sexual misconduct. I was a good guy. And then all of a sudden I'm in jail going, I killed an eight, a 17 year old girl and sacrificed 10 babies to the devil. Devil Town is a production of Imperative Entertainment. It was written and created by me, Wes Ferguson. Executive producer is Jason Hoke. Audio engineering and editing by Shane Freeman and Jason Hoke. Original score is by Robert Ellis. Recording by Austin Sisler at Eastside Studios. If you like the show, leave a review and don't forget to tell your friends. Thanks for listening. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.